I think Dan Lanning is a little bit more like us than some of you may even realize. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day for watching on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. If you haven't already, please continue to like, comment, subscribe, wherever you listen to or watch this show. So many things to talk about in this a wonderful and glorious offseason, as Josh Pate would say. Um... <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I'm a big leg kick fan, but uh, I'm also a fan of Dan Lanning. I'm a fan of, of Dan Lanning because I think there is a an alignment of vision between Lanning, the Oregon Athletic Department, and us, the fans. I think there's something in common there, and that's that the standards are very high, and, and there's a couple... There's a couple data points I, I want to point you to to make this particular argument. Number one, the amount of turnover that Lanning is having this roster undergo after year one, which by all accounts, not okay, not all accounts, by an outsider's account was successful. To us, it was not more on that in a moment. But just because you go to a place that had won a lot of games, and just because you go to a place that has a great reputation, and just because you come from a place that has a great reputation, does not automatically mean year one is going to go well. Oklahoma went six and seven this year. There is nothing in this world that Oklahoma has that Oregon doesn't have, or that Oregon doesn't have, that Oklahoma doesn't have, right? Like those two programs are both capable of getting to a national championship level, competing for conference crowns. That's kind of the baseline expectation. But Brent Venables came from Clemson, went to Oklahoma, wasn't able to get a talented enough player at the quarterback position. That's an element of coaching, by the way. Not just how you coach the players, but the players that you can acquire. That is a fair metric to evaluate a coaching staff. He went to Oklahoma, wasn't able to keep somebody like Spencer Rattler around after Caleb Williams left wasn't able to bring someone in like Bo Nix and had a lot of talent on the roster. If you looked at the recruiting rankings, yeah, you'd probably think Oklahoma, which had an over-under, I think, in the 8-9 to nine range this year, similar to Oregon. Yeah, they underperformed this year. So it was not a, it was not always a given that Lanning was going to succeed. He came from Georgia. Venables came from Clemson. All the ingredients were there, but it was definitely not a given. But Lanning is overhauling the roster. We, the fans, are not particularly content with how that year went. Like, I expect Oregon from a goals in the realistic realm in 2023, get back to the Pac-12 championship game. Yep, conference schedule is tougher this year. They should be able to get back, back to the Pac-12 championship game. They should have done that this year. But Lanning is, I think, sending a very clear message that he does not expect to just win games. That's not enough to satisfy him. And I think he and the administration are in alignment on that front. Because up at Washington, Kalen DeBoer went from four wins to 11 wins. 
he got a contract extension. Anybody, anybody even heard the words Dan Lanning and contract in, uh, in all these times? And that is amidst a time in which we were at least discussing reasonably that Auburn was interested in him for a head coaching position. No contract extension, meaning that Lanning and his camp, at least not in a serious way, were pushing for that sort of financial extension. That they weren't trying to use the Auburn rumors as leverage. No, because I don't think Lanning is content with how year one went. That's why he's changing the roster. That's why you haven't seen or heard anything about a new potential contract because the administration standards, his standards, our standards are all in the same place which is very high, which is where I would like them to be. Because frankly, that's where they should be. If you just examine Oregon as a university on paper, no, they shouldn't have college football playoff or conference championship expectations year in and year out, given where they're located, right? State of Oregon's not a big recruiting hub. It's more geographically isolated. You're playing in the Pac-12. But of course, that's not how Lanning clearly views the program now. And it's not how we view it. And it's not how we should view it. Because you're not going to get to that level unless you hold that standard and have those sorts of expectations. So when I, when I think about Lanning just looking at the team, he could have brought back a lot of the same players from last year who have ended up transferring out and probably won another 9 to 10 games. That's not what he's trying to do here. I don't think that's what he wants to do. That's not what we want him to do. That's not what the administration wants him to do. And I think that is all very, very encouraging. He's not afraid to shake things up. 20 wins in two years. 20 wins in the last two years. Lanning is not afraid to change the roster. He's not afraid to make coaching changes as well. I think we'll see what happens with Tosh Lupoy at D.C., but that hiring of Chris Hampton from Tulane as the co-defensive coordinator is at the very least the message. You have to be better or we are going to move in a different direction. Because I don't know why else Hampton would take that position. I don't know why else Lanning would bring in somebody of that caliber who could have gotten other power five defensive coordinator positions. But Dan Lanning wanted him because he wants to continue to get better, continue to improve and set a high standard. And I think that's great. Just a thought that popped in my head. You know, one of those things. Let's go into thoughts that popped into your heads. that be the mailbag, of course, which you can be a part of at literally any point in time. YouTube comments, Twitter at smalls underscore 55 or at locked on ducks. I almost said LO underscore pack 12. Technically, you could reach me there if you want to. If you don't know, I host over there too. Uh, this question from Otson dash zone, all caps by the way. So he's all about the Otson zone, which by the way, I'm here for. Hey, Spence. Hey, Otson zone. I know you think highly of Jaleel Florence. Fact check. I do. I do as well. I wonder if you could see him grow into that Javon Holland role we saw in 2019. That being a star safety position, same kind of frame, good instincts. It seems like good speed. Athleticism is off the charts. I don't know. I just see so much potential in him and Jaleel Tucker that I can't help make that comparison your thoughts. I think this is an interesting question because when you look at Florence, I think compared to what his profile was coming out of high school, he looked a lot bigger on TV than I thought he would. 
I remember going back to the spring game last year when he got beat a couple times, but also had a really, really nice moment that led to a contested ball that got jumbled around and wound up being an interception. He made a really good play after kind of getting beat. I remember thinking, okay, he's a little raw, but he looks like he belongs. He doesn't look small. He doesn't look, you know, athletically too far outmatched. He's just missing some technique things. But I don't fully agree with, with your thought though it is a good one. And I'll tell you why after I tell you about Built Bars, because I fully agree with the thought that Built Bars are fantastic. I eat them. You should eat them. They're in my golf bag. They're in my pantry. What makes them so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. And then you go on to all the amazing flavors that they've got, and you have everything that you need in a protein bar that kind of tastes like a candy bar. They come in unbelievably great flavors like churro, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, so many more. The puffs are fantastic. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. You don't have to, though you can order at Built.com to get your next box. You can go check them out at Walmart or Sam's Club today. Go pick up your latest order of Built Bars and start doing some healthy snacking, which I'm trying to do after the Super Bowl because, boy, I ate a lot of food. Okay, so this question about Jaleel Florence. I do see the resemblance when you look at them on the field. Now, Florence is not quite as gifted as Javon Holland, at least at this point in time, maybe some more years in in the weight room. He could get to that sort of level. Holland, though, played safety, and he was the nickel safety or star safety, right, that Bennett Williams played this year. And, man, he, he was so good. Like, Bennett Williams was really good against the run, struggled in pass coverage. Javon Holland gave you both. He was – that guy's one of the better safeties, and he did it kind of quietly in some sense, maybe because, you know, he had another year, but then COVID ruined it and such. And he he's quietly one of the best safeties Oregon's had in the last decade or so. Not, not a coincidence that he's a starter for the Miami Dolphins. He's really, really good. I do like what Florence brings to the table. I don't know that he's someone that would be primed for a position change – I think at least at this point in time, Florence has the coverage potential that we've seen in the run game, though. Holland was elite. I mean, he was really, really good. And making that position position change, I don't know if that's one that Lanning and the staff are seeing as a necessity. I think at least in the short term, they see him as someone who's going to continue to play corner. Now, in a sense, he can kind of be in that Javon Holland role if they decide to go with three corners on the field, which they did often last year, because when you get these pass happy offenses, you don't want to have three safeties on the field. You want someone who's got a little bit more speed, a little bit more coverage capability. And that's certainly what Florence gives you at the cornerback position. I see a lot of potential in him, and I understand why you're making that comparison. I don't think that's a, f- a flip that needs to happen. And frankly, I don't want it to happen. Not saying that it couldn't. I, I think he is big enough. And, you know, once he maybe bulks up even a, a little bit more, hopefully without sacrificing the speed, of course, he could be that sort of player, you know, physically that Javon Holland was. But Oregon now without Christian Gonzalez is going to move into a phase where we don't have a true number one shutdown corner. And we've had that for each of the last several years, at least that we know about. Someone could develop into that. 
Julio Florence could, Dante Manning could, maybe Bridges continues. Triquez Bridges played a lot better than most of you probably think. A lot better. Early in the year, he was not particularly good. As the year went on, he got really, really good. And I wonder if he can take another step in, in that direction. But Oregon the last few years at cornerback, they had Gonzo this year. In 2021, they had Mikhail Wright, who was you know, took a little bit of a step back, but was still really, really good. In 2020, Mikhail Wright was also there, and I think he had a better year than in 2021. And then in 19, you had Thomas Cram, you had Diamondor Lenore, you had Javon Holland. You had these really, really high-level defensive backs, but you've always had, you know, at least one corner who you can really feel good about and rely on. And though that star safety position is really important when you're running a 4-2-5, as Dan Lanning and Tosh Lupoy are doing, you also need high-level corners on the outside. And I feel like from a future standpoint, both with the portal and the high school kids Oregon's been recruiting, they can more easily find someone who can play that star safety position or they can move guys around. Frankly, TriQuest Bridges, I think, could be he, – he was a safety at one point in time. He could be that sort of hybrid player. He might be a little bit small, but I think he's shown some good things in run support. It's just an idea of spitballing here. I think Florence projects as a sort of guy who in 2024 could be an all-conference caliber corner. I really, really do. I, I think that's where his ceiling is, and I think you're going to maximize his potential most at that position. So I, I think he should stay there. But I do see why you why you made that comparison because he kind of just you know looks like him and moves like him a little bit on on TV when you watch him you know with helmet and everything obviously you don't see the guy's face so you just kind of have mannerisms to go off of I see that a little bit but I think he's best suited to stay out there on the edge interesting question here from Tyler James about our uh, our good pal Bonex what do you believe Stetson Bennett's draft stock is why isn't he a big topic after winning two championships? And do you think if Bo Nix has as good, if not better, of a season this year, do you believe that he will be a first-rounder in the 2024 NFL Draft? Well, since you asked, the, the answer on Stetson Bennett is the NFL has never and really will never care about how much winning you do in college. Josh Allen, Wyoming. Brady won some games. Uh, that was, of course, a late round pick. But Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech didn't win a lot of games. Tim Tebow won a lot of games. Who's a better quarterback in the NFL? Patrick Mahomes or Tim Tebow? I think that's a pretty obvious question, even more so now that Mahomes has got another Super Bowl ring. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I expect Stetson Bennett to get drafted somewhere. He's got Brock Purdy vibes. I think he has a better arm than Brock Purdy even. And he's accurate. He's got a maturity, at least on the field. He had the one uh, not so great incident off the field, but he has a number of things that will allow him, I think, to get drafted. And his draft stock, look, I I'm not a draft expert, but that's probably mid to late rounds, right? I, I bet you he goes fourth, fifth round, be my best guess. I think someone takes a chance on him there, maybe brings him in to, to be a backup. But bringing this back to Bo Nix, I don't think Bo Nix has the, the sort of traits that would allow him to be a first round pick because you either have to be so unbelievably productive and good that... 
NFL teams feel like they have no other choice but to draft you. Joe Burrow, for instance, doesn't have an elite arm, doesn't have elite size, doesn't have elite mobility. They're all good, but his accuracy, his presence, his moxie all made him a number one pick being a part of that historic LSU championship team. So in, unless you have that, the NFL is looking for trades. And Bo Nix at six foot one has enough size. I think his arm is good, not Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, great or special, but I think it's good enough. He doesn't have, you know, a super windy motion like Darren Thomas used to or anything that I think would hold him back potentially from being an, an NFL quarterback, at least in some capacity, right? Whether that's a second or third string or a starter probably depends on the situation that he would go to. But I think when you look at what Bo Nix presents from an athletic standpoint, he's certainly mobile enough. He's big enough. He's got a good enough arm. He would need more refinement. But that's the sort of guy who I, I could frankly see getting taken in the third or fourth round by a team. And you're kind of taking him as a developmental project because the factors that go into drafting an NFL quarterback let's just say they are numerous. And if Oregon has a great season this year, like if they go, let's just say 11 and two and win a Pac-12 championship in a Rose Bowl or something like that, or 12 and two, I don't know. Yeah, let's say they repeat 2019. They go 12 and two, miss the playoff, but win the Rose Bowl. Yeah, that helps his draft stock tremendously. It's why quarterbacks want to play at a place like Oregon. But could Bo Nix be a first round pick short of Oregon doing what LSU did in 2019, which I don't think is particularly likely. It's hard to see that happening. I, I don't think his traits are so amazing that he could just, you, you know, get on their radar in that sense sufficiently to where they would look at, they would look at him and say, well, we just have to take this guy's traits are so amazing. Like Will Levis at Kentucky is huge mobile, big arm. That's enough to be a first round pick. That can supersede not winning a lot of games or being in a smaller tier program, a la Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. But when you're going in the other direction, it's a lot harder. You just have to do so many things. And I, I think Bo Nix has got more NFL potential. If Anthony Brown can make a roster, I certainly think Bo Nix is a more gifted quarterback. Than, than Anthony Brown is. I think his motion is cleaner. He's got a stronger arm. I think he's more consistent. He's got a better deep ball. And he's you know just as mobile. Brown maybe a, a, a touch more mobile and such. But I, I think you could find he could find his way onto a roster somewhere. What he'd be able to then do from there is kind, kind of up to him and the organization what the what the situation would be. But interesting question though, Tyler. Uh <laughs> Very important question here. I mean, of the utmost importance, this is the most, perhaps the most pressing question that we need to ask about Dan Lanning. I should have led my show with it, frankly. I mean, this, this is just a huge, huge thing. It's fun anyway, as you can probably sense the rhetorical nature. I will tell you what it is after I tell you about FanDuel, which 
allows new customers to get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. Now that the Super Bowl is over and we're at the midway point of the NBA season, it's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores, threes, drains, spreads. Yeah, like You can find everything that you need, and you can even boost the odds with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NBA, and here at Locked On as well. All right, let's get to our very, uh, very important question. I was in a fun, spunky kind of mood, and then we'll close with a thought on Oregon basketball for the day. As you may notice, becoming a recurring theme because I love college basketball. Many of you do as well, and the Ducks are an interesting team to follow. Uh, This is from a name that I shall not repeat on the air because this is a G-rated show. We'll leave it at that. You probably know who you are. Hey, Spence, very important question. If you were to line up every college football coach in a UFC tournament, who would come out victorious? I think Dan Lanning's youth might put him near the top, but then you got guys like Deion Sanders who were top-tier athletes in their day. Nick Saban's for sure catching a dirt nap. (laughs) I don't know how you guys come up with this stuff sometimes. Uh, I think Lanning would be in a great position there. He's got the right balance of just enough experience to, you know, have a couple counter moves, but also enough youth and vitality to be able to move quicker than the the Nick Sabans or the Mac Browns of the world. I, I think Kirby Smart would be a kind of sleeper candidate there. I think people would look at him and and say, ah, he doesn't look that physically imposing and he's kind of older or whatnot. He's fiery. He's he's got some spunk. I think Lanning would be exceptional in there. I think amongst coaches in the Pac 12 I think he and Dion would would give you quite quite the entertaining rumble. <laughs> this, of course, uh, just a, a funny hypothetical to entertain. But um, yeah, I, I'd say he's at least, without going through every coach in the country, he'd be at least top ten. I, I think he would at least be top ten. I mean, he's in good shape. We know he's fiery. He's got that that spark, that passion in him. Yeah, I could, I could see him, I could see him pretty being pretty good at that compared to the other coaches in the country. Um, wrapping up today, Oregon basketball appears to be squarely on the bubble after their split with the LA schools, which is both good and not as good. It's good in the sense that it doesn't play them out of the situation that they're in. Not as good, meaning the USC win did something, but not as much because the the Trojans. The Trojans turned around and lost to Oregon State, who stinks. <laughs> 10 and 16. And that did not make them look particularly strong compared to when Oregon beat them on Thursday. So hopefully, hopefully, USC like we are in that sort of space where you got to count wins and resumes and strength of schedule and all that sort of stuff. Oregon's actually 
is sitting inside the top 60 in the net rankings in the country, which is not everything, but it's indicative of kind of where Oregon's at in terms of a bubble resume. But there are a lot of things that go into that, right? You got to look at quad one and quad two wins. And Oregon's been not great in those particular games. If you missed the show yesterday, they've got five regular season games left. They're sitting at 15 and 11. Their first four out. Looks like they need to go at least four and one. If you go 19 and 12, win a couple games in the Pac-12 tournament, you have a chance. You got a re- you got a real chance for an at-large. Of course, you could just win the conference tournament and get the auto bid. That would be great. But if you're talking about building an actual resume here that is going to stand on its own and get in, I think you have to find a way to get to 20 wins, whether that's going 5-0 and down the stretch, which, frankly, they should do. I doubt they will, but they should, even though they're playing a lot of games on the road, they're playing a lot of bottom feeders in the pack. They've got the Washington schools who are no better than 500. Oregon state is not very good. And the two Bay area schools, like they are playing the bottom half of the conference here to round out their regular season schedule. No reason whatsoever. They shouldn't win at least four of those games. If they can win five, I'd feel really good. They'll probably win three or if you, if you lose two of them, and one of them is the Stanford or Cal. And if you lost to Stanford again, that would be, that would probably mean it's win the tournament or bust. But here's the, here's a piece of optimism that I will leave you with to close today's show. One of the teams that that's looking like they're kind of in the mix as well is Wisconsin, who's 80th in the net, 14 and 10 overall this season. And you look at the other teams that are there. And I think this is something that will ring true in both football and basketball and often has. Help is often given to college football teams that hold their own. And the same, I think, could be true here for Oregon basketball. The other teams that are on the bubble have not looked particularly strong throughout the course of this year. Oregon's high points have been higher than theirs for the most part. And I think if the Ducks can just do what they need to do, It's a very realistic path. It's not a guarantee, but it's certainly right there. Starts on Wednesday on ESPN. I think it's Washington or Washington State. Now I'm going to look it up because I forgot which one uh, it is specifically. But I I am, uh, yeah, it's Washington on uh, Wednesday on ESPNU. Huskies are 500 on the season, under 500 in conference play. Got to win that game for more reasons than one. More, for more than one reason, rather, would be the proper grammatical way. Seems like that's as good a point as any to end today's show. Appreciate everyone listening. See you next time. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.